who comes to know Jesus, it's close to 20% of the time that that child's family will follow suit. So if the child gets saved, 20% of the family, or 20% of the time, the family will come to church and also get saved. We've actually seen that happen at our church. I've seen some kids come here, and then the family follows. It's, it's a beautiful thing. If the mom gets saved first, uh, it's a little bit higher. I think it's closer to 25 or 26% of the time. If a mother gets saved, that about a quarter of the time, the whole family will come to church and also get saved. That's also, you know, that's good. Here's the amazing stat. If the father is the first one saved in the family, it's 86% of the family will come to church and also get saved. The role of the father is vital. It is. And so, men, I am asking you to consider coming to these Bible studies because we need men who are authentic leaders, authentic men who love their wives. If you're married, you love your wife with, a, with an amazing love. You love your family, your children, and you love your church and your God first and foremost. Amen? How many know if we put God first, and I'm talking to the men right now in our, in our group, if we put God first, everything else will follow along with it. Amen? We know. How many know that's such an easy recipe, but it's hard sometimes for guys to live by. It's easy to get caught up in, I have to be this successful, and I have to get up the, 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 the ladder of success, and I have to be this and that. But we know if we are godly men who live lives of integrity, our families and our friends will follow suit. So tonight we start a new study, and I'm going to tell you, this time I'm uh, if you want to get the book, you can get the book, but I'm just going to make copies for everybody. That way it's free. I don't want anyone saying, well, I couldn't afford it because, you know, last time we had a book to pay for. So if you can come, it's free, and it starts tonight at 6 p.m., and here is a short preview of tonight's 33 series. Uh, we, we are starting the third chapter. All right, starts tonight at 6 p.m. Hope you can come out and be a part of that. Uh, bring a coffee, bring something to drink or snack on, and uh, we'll get started. Are you ready for the word this morning? Amen. Amen. I'm excited to be able to preach this morning. Like I said, we were going to have our missionaries this morning, but uh, uh, God had other plans, so that's what we're going to go with. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. We rose up this morning, God, and you've created us another beautiful day to inhabit, to be in, in your presence, Lord. I pray now, Lord, that our minds would just be tuned in to you, Lord, that you would speak clearly through me to get the word out that you have prepared. Lord, let it fall on ears that are able to hear, hearts that can receive. Teach us today, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3, let's begin right there. I want to lay a little bit of a, a foundation in this series of limitless, which is limitless. There's so many things I could talk about with God. There's no limit. Truly, there's no limit to God. It's not like God has a beginning uh, uh, and an end that man made up. God said, I am the beginning and the end, meaning we, didn't, we can't create it. We can't imagine it. God said, I am everything, right? I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. God defined who he is, and he said, I am. Simply, that means I am everything. I am limitless. Aren't you glad? We serve a limitless God. God was not created by uh, a man's idea. God was not created uh, in some, some crazy theory. God sent his son to the earth, and we serve a limitless God. How many believe that? Amen? Limitless. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18. I will read this verse, verse from the New Living 
translation. It says this, and may you have the power to understand us as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. There it is. There's the explanation. It gives us right here that we would be able to understand, have full understanding of how great, how limitless the love of God is. And I believe that is what we are doing as we spend our time on the earth is we are trying to understand and get a, a, a full picture of how great God's love is. And it takes a lifetime and we probably never will understand just how amazing his love is, how limitless it is. Now, this saying that we've been saying these last three weeks, it's, it's one of these things, if you repeat it enough times, you eventually will learn it. It's like that song, you'll have a song pop in your head from the 1980s, and you'll say, I can't believe I still remember the lyrics to that song, right? Have we ever done that before? Because you heard it so many times, it gets ingrained and it gets written on your heart. So some things we have to say a few times again and again to understand it. This is what we've been saying. When you have right believing, there will be right living. Let's say that together. When you have, or say when I, when I have right believing, I will have right living. It's a great recipe to life. We have to believe right. We have to believe God's word, and then therefore we can live right. There's, there's this mindset that I can live right first, right? If I have this outer uh, a living, if I change me first, then I can start believing more about God. God says, no, believe in me first, and then I will create in you a new thing, a new thing. Okay. John 1.17 and Hebrews 10, these are our two verses that we're going to make our foundation again. John 1.17 gives us this glimpse into the past and also this hope in the future. It says, for the law was given through Moses, the law is the first five books of the Old Testament, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Amen. The law was given by Moses, and then Jesus came almost 4,000 years later, well, 3,000 years or so later, then grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Why did Jesus bring grace and truth? The answer is very simple, but yet wonderful. It came because God wants us to draw near to him. Amen? God went through all kinds of amazing people, leaders, and things to try to get man in a relationship back with him, but it took his son to reconcile the relationship between God and man. God wants to be close to you. God is close to us. How many believe God is with you always? He's always there. He's desiring to be close to us. He wants us to draw near to him. He makes it clear throughout the scripture, draw near to me. So John 1.17 gives us this picture of the law that the law was given through Moses, but Jesus came through grace and truth. We've talked a lot about the law, what the law is, versus grace and truth. And maybe for some, and I know in some of my in some of my. Uh, Great-grandparents and generations before me, they were more focused on the law, right? More focused on uh, the, the, the look of things versus the relationship. And so this talks about the relationship. Hebrews chapter 10. And I want to read these verses once again and let it sink in. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 through 25. It says this. 
And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins, right? Good works. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Verse 15, but the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with him after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. And then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Hallelujah. No more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest of the blood of Jesus by a new and living by, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a, a high priest over the house of God. Read this together with me, if you would, these next few words. Let us draw near, right, with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, which we're doing right now, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, right, encouraging and, and, and lifting one another up, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We don't have to be scholars to realize the day of Jesus' return is approaching, right? It's closer than it was last week, amen? So the more we get closer to that day approaching, the more we need to be together and assemble together and lift one another up in prayer, amen? So this scripture paints a beautiful picture right here. This portion of scripture paints a beautiful picture of how things used to be done to get close to God, right, through sacrifices. They would bring it once a year. They would be reminded. By, it actually says that once a year they would come and they would be reminded of their sin once a year. But Jesus comes and he comes and he brings grace and he brings truth, right? And so it says that you will remember your sins no more. Aren't you thankful that once a year I don't have a service and I say, well, let's remember all your sin. Let's talk about all your sin. Aren't you thankful that every day you can go to Jesus and say, thank you for washing my sin. It's forgotten. It's gone by the blood of Jesus because one came, his name is Jesus, and perfected it once and for all. Amen? You see the freedom in that? Hallelujah. And I think a lot of times our worship and our praise and our life, we, we put this, we put chains on ourselves. And we remind ourselves, and the enemy reminds us all the time, he likes to work with our, our wrong thinking to try to convince us that our sins are too great for God to use us. When God is like, I already forgot about it. Remember what my son did. Verse 22, I want to read that one more time. Let us draw near. Get close to God with a true heart in full assurance in or of faith. In, in other words, not coming to God wondering if our sins are forgiven. Wondering if he is able to do it. Not, not, not coming to him 
un, unsure if we are saved today or, or, or if we'll be saved tomorrow if I do something wrong. I want to come to God in full assurance saying, I am born again, amen. And yet I made a mistake. I know that I still love Jesus, amen. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that we're still being perfected? Aren't you thankful God gives us grace? It says, my son came so that you might have grace and truth. And because of grace that I want to love Jesus more and more each day because of that grace. God wants us to live in this full assurance. Draw near to him in full assurance. So let's go back to the beginning of the chapter. Hebrews chapter 10. Praise God. I believe I have the right one this week. Last week I put Mark chapter 10. Excuse me for that mistake. It was the right verse, the wrong scripture heading. Hebrews chapter 10, the very first part. So we read later on in the verse, but at the beginning it says, for the law. That Moses brought, not that it was bad, it was needed, but that's what he brought. Having a shadow of good things to come, or pictures as I talked about last week. And not the very image of the things can never with these same sacrifices, which they continually, which they offer continually every year, right? So that's, that's what we know as Yom Kippur. It's also called the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement is when they would remember the sins. Make those who approach perfect. Verse 2, for then would they not have ceased to be offered for the worshipers once purified which means once and for all in Greek. Once and for all, our sins were purified, would have no more consciousness of sin. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. So they would be reminded because it was impossible that, that the blood of the bulls and the goats and the other things was enough. It, just, it, it gave them a covering for a short time. So they, they were reminded of their sin. But that's why Jesus came, amen, as the perfect sacrifice that our sin might be gone once and for all and that we can have freedom in that. Amen? Amen? All right. I know it's a little bit maybe deeper than some, but we'll get this together. So this thought of God wants us to draw near to him. Now, what does that look like for you? What does it look like for you? If you picture your life, what does it mean to draw near to God? What does that mean in your life? How do you see yourself drawing near to God? What kind of faith or what kind of uh, uh, emotion or what kind of action, what kind of, uh, of, of relationship does that look like to you? And ask yourself, am I, near to, as, am I as near to God as I should be? We have to ask ourselves that. God, am I, am I drawing near to you? I know God is near to us, but are we near to him is the question. With a true heart and a fullness of assurance of faith. You know, because some people come to God in a fearful way, don't they? They kind of come to God in this fearful way. Uh, perhaps there's an area of their life that they're ashamed of. You know, perhaps all of us can say that. There's areas of our life that we're ashamed of or, or, or we have guilt. And so our consciousness, like I said last week, our consciousness does not lie, right? It can't lie. So we are afraid of God because our consciousness tells us that we have done X, Y, and Z, and we have all these things that we, we hold on to. It could be bad thoughts. It could be things we watch. It could be things we say. It could be bad habits, on and on and on. So now we have this bad conscience. When Bible, the Bible says, come to me with full assurance that you would have no consciousness of sin anymore. So we have to understand that we, can't, we don't have to come to God in fear 
because God has paid it all. Amen? It's like if, if, if okay, if I owe $10,000 to my creditor, and I am, and I'm late. I shared, I'm going to change it up a little bit this week. And I'm late, and I, I, I know that my creditor is going to come to my house and want a big payment and a late fee. How I many? I'm going to be a little bit fearful of that person, right? But let's just say somebody else came and paid my creditor, and they paid my debt. Matter of fact, they didn't just pay ten thousand dollars, but they gave my creditor a million dollars. How I many know that's a way? That's an overpayment, right? How many know I am not afraid of my creditor anymore? I'm not afraid of my creditor because now they are blessed because of what God has done for me. See, sometimes we are afraid to go to God, but how many know God has paid our debt? And he, we owe him everything. So some people are afraid to go to God because they feel like they still owe God something. God, I owe you something. God's like, you don't owe me anything. I gave you everything. I just want you to draw near to me and love me with your whole life. Amen? How do you know God has overpaid our debt through Jesus Christ? There is no price tag, as I said earlier. So some come to God and they're afraid. I like to say they're not at home with God. I pray that you are at home with God. Amen. I pray that when you come into his presence, you're like, oh, this is good. This is home. Amen. How many know sometimes when we get in that place of worship, you just should feel at home, right? Our Tuesday morning prayer team, I know when we come in this house and we begin to pray, I don't know about you, but I know, I know what they say too. I'm at home with Jesus. Amen. I don't have to have a whole band. I don't have to have my favorite song. I don't have to have everything just right. I just need to be in the presence of God, and I'm at home. Amen? Have you ever been somewhere where you could just feel the evil, and you walked into a situation or something you, you witnessed or something you saw, and you just felt, and you're like, that didn't feel good? But when you get in God's presence, how many know you just feel at home? There's no other place I would rather be. And I, I don't know how people go through life. Once you, once you understand the greatness and the love of Jesus Christ, do you ever ask yourself, how did I make it before I had Jesus? And I wonder to this day, how do people even cope? I meet a lot of people who go through tough situations, family members who aren't saved, who watch loved ones go through hard stuff. And I can tell you, those people, usually are the ones that have the hardest time dealing with it all. And I find people who have their hope in Jesus, they seem to always make it through. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. See, Jeremiah 31.3, think about what this says. God loves you with an everlasting love. His love is not going to get better because all of a sudden you're doing a lot of good things for God. I mean, I would appreciate it if you come to me one day and say, Pastor Pete, I would love to help you mow those islands out in that parking lot. And, and I want to weed whack with you. Guess what? I would beg you. I'd say, thank you, Jesus. Amen. But how do we know? God's not going to up in heaven say, I love you now more. I might love you more. No, I'm just kidding. But God's going to say, my love doesn't change because of that. Why do we do these things? We do it because we want to show God how much we love him. Amen? We want to draw near to God. But guess what? God's already drawn near to us. Amen? You can take the worst person that you can think of and, and somebody who's in the worst shape, they're doing the worst stuff. God still loves them as much as he loves Billy Graham. Amen? 
You believe God's love is conditioned on, what, on works? No. His love is only on what he did through his son, Jesus Christ, with an everlasting love. Aren't you glad God's not going to change his mind about you tomorrow? <laughs> when you get in that car and all these beautiful orange cones everywhere that we all appreciate because eventually it'll make our road smoother, but right now it's causing some chaos and probably a little bit of anger. Come on, somebody. And, and, and I know Heather yesterday was... A, we're down in Bloomfield Hills doing some work, and it took her like an hour and a half to get home. I mean, no, that, that doesn't, that's not a recipe for coming home happy. You're a little bit stressed out. But aren't you glad no matter what we do and how, no matter how we feel, God will still love you just as much tomorrow. Amen? That's grace and truth, isn't it? Hallelujah. My goodness, that's good. All right. So we have law. And we have these definitions. I have this here. This is where we ended last week. Law is defined as demand. But grace is defined as supply. Right? Jesus came. He supplies all of our needs according to his riches and glory. He supplied our forgiveness through his blood on the cross. Grace is supply. Law is demand. So under the law, God demands righteousness from you. Okay? And that is, that is, we have to understand, we don't throw the law out. We're not saying we don't want anything to do with the law. Because the law causes us to have perimeter in our life, right? How many know we need a perimeter? We need guardrails. And so we got to have those things. But the grace gives us the freedom. And the, under grace, God supplies righteousness to you. Okay? So it went from demanding it to supplying it. Demand and supply you know, so I want to ask you this question. When you wake up in the morning, what are you conscious of? What are you thinking about? What are you conscious of? Um, are, you, are you thinking about that I am under his grace and I'm under his supply? Or, or do you think about things like, oh, man, I got a tight schedule today. Uh, I have to meet this deadline. I have to, and, and I think as uh, people who live in the flesh, it's easy to, to succumb to those feelings, right? Most of the time, I don't wake up every morning saying, I'm under supply. I, I'm, I, I have to fight the feelings of, like, I got to do this, I got to do that, I got to do this. And so our mind, we have to try to get the right mindset. We have to, we have to understand who we are in Christ. You know, when I was in my office just this morning, just for a little bit, and I was a little bit even stressed out this morning, um, getting some stuff prepared, and I was even sitting there, and I, I, for just a second, I, I said, I said to the Lord, I said, whatever I'm faced with today, God, I pray that you give me the right mind. I said, God, no matter what I have to do, it wasn't so much about the preaching, but I, I said, Lord, I, I receive your supply of wisdom. I receive your supply of, how many know we have to say, God, I receive your supply. Our guys, God supplies all of our needs, Amen. According to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I said, God, I, re I receive your supply of grace for this day. And I want to say something. When you begin your day by making those declarations and speaking things, amen, it changes your mindset. If you start your day by only saying, I got to do this, I got to do that, you're stressed out before you even had your cup of coffee. And you're already, you're already putting yourself under all this condemnation, all this stress by thinking about all those things that you have to do. But instead, it's great to say, God, you will supply the strength. You will supply the wisdom. Amen? You will supply the grace. And it changes your mindset. 
You still have to do all those tasks, but now you know that your supply comes from God. And you go from having this demand lifestyle to a supply lifestyle. God's saying, I supply all your needs. Because I have learned that there's much more supply in this world from God than there is need. Amen? God never promised to supply all your needs according to your needs. <laughs> he never said, I will supply all your needs according to your needs. He said, I will supply what? All your needs according to my riches. How, how, how much do you think he has riches? Limitless. I will supply all your needs according to my riches and glory. Limitless supply. God has a limitless supply. But sometimes we think his, his supply is only conditioned upon our needs. But he oversupplies. Amen? For example, you know, the, the five loaves and the two fish. You talk about an oversupply. Not only did they feed the 5,000, there was probably fifteen to 20,000 people there. Okay? So not only did those five... Uh, loaves and two fish come back. You remember how much came back? Twelve baskets full. Twelve baskets. I mean, that little boy probably went home and was like, I'm feeding the whole village. <laughs> he went with a small lunch. God didn't just supply for the people. He did what? He oversupplied. Oversupplied. Here's the point. God's supply always exceeds our needs. God's supply always, always exceeds our needs. Now, his supply might be different than what you think your need should be. But how many know God's ways are always higher than our ways? His ways are better than our ways, and his, his sovereignty is always the best plan, right? His supply is always greater than our need. And we think need just in material things. Well, I need this for this. I need this for this. God says, I'm supplying you grace. I'm supplying you truth. I'm supplying you forgiveness. How many know you can't put a price tag on those things? Amen? There is no price tag. Try to sell that at a rummage sale. <laughs> Priceless. We have something that is the greatest gift of all. That is the grace and truth of Jesus Christ, church. Amen? And we can offer this world something that no one else can ever put a price tag on. That is God supplies all of our needs. He answers our prayers. How does he answer our prayers? Well, he does it, what, exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ever ask or think. That's how he works exceedingly abundantly and above all we could ever ask or think. So, see, when, when Jesus walked on the earth, especially when it's with his, his disciples, one of his greatest uh, indictments of his disciples, not even when he was talking to the crowds. I mean, we know when he talked to the Pharisees, right? You, you remember what he called the Pharisees? He said, you brood of vipers. That's not a really good tag to put on someone, is it? Why did he call the, the Pharisees brood of vipers? Because they were self-righteous. Nothing aggravated God more, Jesus more, than self-righteous people. Amen? The Pharisees were self-righteous, so we have no place in our life to be self-righteous. Well, I don't do that, so I must be. No, 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 no. That's what the Pharisees did, didn't they? What Jesus would tell his disciples Okay? Well, he would talk to his disciples, his own. His indictment on them was this, O oh, you of little faith. Now, we might think of that in certain terminology, but let me really give you a bigger picture of that. He would say to his disciples, O oh, you of little faith. What is faith? Faith is what? Asking and taking. Okay? Faith is asking. What is love? Love is what? 
Giving. Right? Why do we give an offering? Because we love Jesus, right? Faith is asking. Love is giving. When he said, oh, you of little faith, what he was telling his disciples is saying this, I am so full of supply, why do you ask for so little from me? Amen? He's saying, why do you ask for so little? Church, why do we ask God for so little when we need to ask God for so much more? I'm asking God to save hundreds of people in this church. I'm not asking God to bring 10 people this year. God, would you use us to lead? See, I asked God last year, listen, I asked God, I said, God, I, I'm desperate I'm going to be honest, I filled out my pastor's report last year, and it was like, I think it was 12 people got saved. Most of those were at VBS. Hallelujah for VBS. Amen. And so I was like, Lord, we need to see more salvations in this church. Amen. God said, okay, I'm going to open the door to Pakistan for you. Hallelujah. I've been able to lead over 100 people to Christ this month in Pakistan. Now, that's not me. That's God. But I asked God last year, I said, God, I want to lead more people. I'm brokenhearted. I don't want to just, no offense, I don't want to just preach to the same people for the next 20 years, if Lord willing. Right? Amen? I want to see people saved. I want to see people healed and delivered and set free. I want, to, I want to, all of us to lead people to Jesus. We should be leading people to Jesus. What are we doing if we're not bringing people and leading them to Christ? So I asked God, I said, God, I, I, not even as a pastor, but as, as a Christian, I want you to use me. I want to lead people to Christ. Now, it's amazing. I got a prophetic word this week. I know Chris might know about it from Rami in, in these regards. And I was like, Lord, that's a confirmation. I've been asking God for more. I never thought I would be preaching to Pakistan <laughs> ever. How many know God will give us what we ask for? We just have to what? Ask. Ask. He's saying, why do you take so little? I have full supply to his disciples. He said, I'm so great. I'm the great, he's the greatest of all. Why do you ask so little of me? Is he not the God of more than enough? Yes, he is. He's not a God of just enough. Aren't you glad he's a God of more than enough? He's limitless. He has all the supply we will ever need. I know some of you in this room right now, I know it for a fact because you tell me, you're like, Pastor, I am praying that God would bless me so that I can help you pay off this church very fast. Amen? And I pray, God, would you bless those people? Amen. So if that's you, I want you to know I pray that God bless them so that they can bless the house of God. Why should we ask God to help us pay off this church in eight years? Let's ask God that we can pay it off very quickly, whatever time he tells you. Amen. Why would we ask for so little? We need to ask God, you have all the supply. You're limitless. Remember, God is a God of supply. Even for our sins, he's a God of oversupply. Like I said, Christ on the cross was an overpayment. He was an overpayment for our sin. More accurately, God, I like to say God overpaid our sin debt. Because if we understand the value of our Lord Jesus Christ, we understand that it's an overpayment. An overpayment for our sin. I want to read Hebrews 10 again. Verse 2, for then would they not have ceased to be offered, for the worshipers once purified would have no more consciousness of sin. Okay, now compare that to verse 3. So verse 2 is no more consciousness of sin, grace and truth. Verse 3, but in those sacrifices, the law, there's a reminder of sins every year. So this. If we come to God and we always talk about our sin and our shortcomings, then we leave very little room for worship. 
Let me say that again. If we always talk to God about all the things that we can't do, all the things that we've done wrong, all the things that we've committed sin, and even though we've already asked for forgiveness, we still come to God saying, I can't do it because I'm this and that. How many of we leave very little room for worship? When our time with God, I believe a lot of our time with God should be spent in worshiping God. Amen? You know the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father which in heaven. What's the first thing? Hallowed be thy name. The very first part of that prayer is what? Worship. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Gives us there. And then we go on to what we need. Give us this day our daily bread. So instead of looking at the one who made it possible for us to draw near, Jesus, right? He made it possible for us to come to him with a, with a, a, a true heart and a full assurance of faith. Many times we come to God and we look at our own faults and our, our heart. Instead of keeping the focus on him, we sometimes turn the focus on us. And on our weaknesses. You remember, let me tell you something. The book of Ephesians, if you haven't read it, it's not very long. It's six chapters, okay, that I want to share with you right now. The first three chapters of the book of Ephesians, Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus this, this book, this letter. And the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians literally tells you who you are in Christ. Give you that homework this week. Read the first three books of Ephesians. You'll find it tells you who you are in Christ and what you have in him. Okay? So if anybody is wondering, who am I in Christ? Read Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. Okay? The last three chapters talk about things like this. Husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. Right? Wives, submit to your husbands. It says things like that. Right? Masters, it says, give to your servants or give to your employer, employees what they deserve. It goes on to talk about warfare. So it talks about all these things. But remember, all those things come after the first three chapters, talking about who you are in Christ. So your first duty is to know who you are in Christ, amen, and then draw near to him. See, once we draw near to him, then he will help you be a better husband, be a better wife, be a better child, be a better employee. Amen? We have to first draw near to him because the blood of Christ has brought us so near to God. Aren't you thankful? I don't have to psych myself up to be in God's presence. I don't have to like, get myself all worked up like, okay, here it comes. My favorite worship song, I'm going to do it this time. I don't have to get all psyched up and just get myself all pumped up to get in God's presence. I don't have to do that. To get close to God, I don't have to get psyched up because I can be close to God even when I don't feel anything. Amen? God's presence is always, always with you. Maybe for some that might be a little bit scary. But for us as believers, we should celebrate that. I don't have to get pumped up. All right, we're getting it. Here it comes. It's coming. No, God's presence is with you. How many believe that? When you're in your car, you don't have to get your, you know, and I, believe me, I, I, I'm just like you. When I'm listening to the Christian, and thank the Lord, there's like four or five Christian radio channels now, so I can go around and find my favorite song. And my favorite songs come on that radio, and, and I have to admit that I'm, I'm, it takes like two notes, and I'm already getting like holy goosebumps. Hallelujah. Keep your eyes on the road. <laughs> you know? and so it, there, is, there, is, there is truth that certain things can accelerate that. 
but we don't have to have any noise at all and still be in God's presence. I can be on a lake in dead silence, floating around on a boat or a raft, and just be like, I'm in God's presence. Amen? I can be in the midst of a crowd, and, and even though there's a lot of people around me, knowing that I'm still in God's presence. Hallelujah. He's limitless. Remember, we are created to, to enjoy God's presence. Church, we are created to enjoy God's presence. Amen? Hallelujah. I enjoy it. So this, this is amazing about these first three chapters, Ephesians. It talks about this presence, right? So once you know who you are in Christ, then you can love your wife. Then you can love your husband. Then you can obey your parents, right? All these things. Once you know who you are in Christ, then you can do these things. That's a great recipe. More than married. Listen, we all want to be better husbands and wives, but we have to know who we are in Christ first. I will be a better husband if I put God first. Amen? Wives, you'll be better wives if you put God first. Fathers, you'll be a better father if you put God first. Moms, you'll be a better mom if you put God first. Single people, you'll be a better single friend and a single person and, and looking for that spouse if you put God first. Right? Workers, we all, we all have a job. Or your students, if you're in high school or junior high or whatever, you'll be better if you put God first. Period. There's no recipe other than that. That's how it works. Unfortunately, sometimes people don't get put God first. So let's end with these last few verses. Last week I only preached short, and people were actually like, Pastor, that was short. I'm like, well, wait till I preach again. You're going to get it. I thought it would be next week. I'm just kidding. I'm almost done. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to do an exercise together. We're going to close right here. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8. Say this. I want you to say these words out loud with me. Verse 7. Say what? Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Jesus said if you want something from the Father, you have to ask. It's how simple. Like I said, he's a communicating God. God communicates, and he wants us to communicate back to him. Worshipers, I love it when we communicate in worship. Amen? I tell you what, it stirs up the gifts when someone comes in the house and they start communicating to God. Amen? How many know that's a gift? And God has placed that in some of your hearts, that communicating skill, that, that gift that you communicate. And it's, it's, a, it's a praise to God. It's, it's good. God says, I love that to be, to be close. See? You know, I, I, I've asked this question before. Why does God ask us to pray for things when he already knows what we need? Come on, somebody. How many know? Why would God want me to pray when he already knows what I need? I've heard people say, why? I, God already knows. Well, listen, and, and, and this bothered me for a little while, and I, and I asked him. And he kind of gave me this illustration, believe it or not. It's interesting, but he did. I remember my daughters, who are now 28, 24, 22, in 16. But I remember my daughters weren't those ages and they were babies. They basically needed three things in life when they were babies. You probably, right? Number one, if they had a stinky, they needed their diaper changed, right? That was one thing. They needed a bottle. I'm talking when they were not, this is not when they were teenagers, right? But they needed a bottle, they needed a diaper change, or they wanted picked up. Right, little babies. 
our babies are big, but little babies. They, how did my girls communicate when they were babies? Cried. I knew they, they were communicating. Now, as a parent, I knew by smelling that diaper that they needed their diaper change, right? I knew it. But they still communicated. Ah, wow. And they cry, cry. I knew that they were hungry, so we would give them a bottle or, or, or a pacifier or whatever. And sometimes I knew that they wanted picked up because they would kind of put their arms up and start like, ah. This is, this is early, 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 early on. But see, I, I knew as a parent what they needed. They didn't need, at that time in life, they didn't need a new car. They didn't need, you know, advice about dating. <laughs> they just needed those three things. I knew what they needed. But as they grew older, it was great to hear them learn how to communicate what they needed on their own. I'm so thankful that my girls still don't come to me like, ah, ah. aren't you glad they're, I'm glad they're not still talking like babies. Amen. Amen. They learn to communicate, to express what they need. And even though I knew what they needed, it was nice to have them communicate to me. Eventually, they could talk, and they'd be like, Baba. Now, I knew what they needed, like, you know, diaper change. You could smell it, and you're like, you got a stinky, right? And how many know real men change diapers? Come on, somebody. Amen. I didn't get enough. If I can help make it, I can help take care of it, too. Amen. <laughs> All right, that's a note for all the future dads. And I would love to know that they would communicate with me. I'm so thankful that my kids still communicate with me. And I know maybe some of you have that happening. Some of you go through the trials and tribulations of when your kids don't talk to you. And that's not a good, that's a, that's a painful thing. So if God is our loving Heavenly Father, how, how many believe that? Yet he knows what we need. He loves the communication. Amen. God knows what we need. He already knows what your, your supply will be and what he, he wants to give you. But there's, there's, there's this part of God that's so beautiful that he's not like the false God Muhammad or the false God anything else, you name it, Hare Krishna or anything else, right? God is a living God who sent his only son to have relationship with us. And he says, yeah, I know your needs. I want to talk to you. I, I, I have all the supply. It's limitless. But our God is a God who loves to communicate. Yet he's a consuming fire. He's also closer than a brother. Amen? Our job is to draw near to him. Communicate. Ask. 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 Let's stand. And we'll close in prayer. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask. Now, does that mean every time you say, okay, God, I'm going to ask. I want a paid-off Mercedes-Benz in my driveway tomorrow. Now, God could do it. Yes, yes, yes. But God knows maybe that's not what you need or that's not the best plan. Now, can he do it? Absolutely. But how many know sometimes someone might get that new Mercedes and be like, thanks, God, bye. I'm out of here. I got what I wanted, right? <laughs> so we have to. So we, but it's okay to ask. Ask. Ask God for that peace that you need. Ask God for that strength, you know, that willpower. God, I, I, I'm going to ask today that today I'm able to, to, to see some things leave my life. You say, God, I'm believing for a promotion at my job. I'm believing for a healing. Ask 
See, the Bible says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. We can, we, can, we can wake up in the morning and begin to speak all the things of our life that are not of God, right? All those things of like, I, I, I can't do this today. I, I'm, I'm going to be stressed out as it is. And we start saying all these things. Instead, we can say, God, you will supply the strength. You will supply the need. You will supply the grace. You will supply the provision. Ask. Ask. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to take this moment just to pray over you and ask if there's someone here today that needs prayer. We don't do it all the time. and We probably don't do it enough. But maybe there are people who say, I, I need a, a miracle. I, I, I need a supply in my life. I'm asking. I'm believing for a miracle in my finances. I'm believing for a friend or a family member to be saved. I'm believing that I can quit that unhealthy habit that has held its grip over me and I'm ready to go or let it go. I'm believing for a turnaround in my marriage. And maybe none of these apply. Maybe say, I'm just believing that God, I'm ready to draw closer to you. I'm ready to take that step in my in, in leadership. I'm ready to take that next step in, in, in serving God. I'm ready to step out in faith. Faith is asking, right? Remember I said earlier, faith is asking. Giving is love. Faith is asking. Jesus said, why do you ask for so little when I have all the supply? It's time to ask. It's time to communicate. Would you do this right now? Would you begin? Would you just, would you speak a word over your life? You can say it over your family, over your job. What I mean is just say, God, you will supply all my finances. You will supply health. You will supply wisdom in this area. Ask. Just do it right now. Ask God. Just ask Him. Hallelujah. Maybe you feel called to lead more people to Christ. Ask. God, I want to be used by you. I want to be used by you to lead people. To, to, I think we all should do that, right? The Great Commission. We should all do that all the time. Let our light speak. Let our life speak volumes of what God has done in us. Ask. Ask. He's limitless. Father, as we pray, you said in your word, if we ask, you would hear us. For we, so we are asking for healing. We are asking for salvations. We are asking for breakthroughs. We are asking for these things, God, in these situations. We want to be better spouses. We are asking to be better parents. We are asking to be better students. We are asking to be better workers and employers, employees. We are asking, God, that you would remove the stress, the depression, the anxieties that keep us held down. We are asking today for breakthroughs, but God, we know that you supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory. And God, you are a God of grace and truth. Thank you for supplying that in our lives today. Hallelujah. Father, would you reach into this place with your spirit and hear us and increase our faith, increase our closeness to you. Let us draw near to you, God. In Jesus' name.
if today, if you just lift your hand and say, I know that God is going to supply all my needs. Listen, just lift your hand right now. This declaration. God, we thank you for all these hands that are lifted up. God, we put our hope in you, our trust in you. That God, that we can draw closer to you as the day of your return is approaching. Father, I pray that our lives would be put in order. That God, we would put you first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things shall be given to you as well. Matthew 6.33. God, we thank you for this word. We leave this place today, God, with hope, with, with expectation of greater things are yet to come in our lives. I pray a blessing over families, over health, over responsibilities that we have, over obligations that, God, we know that you supply everything that we need. Bless each one here today. God, I thank you for this, this time to be in your house together, the assembling together. As we go now, God, God, create in us opportunities to minister, to be witnesses. In Jesus' name, amen. All people say amen. Hallelujah. We give all the praise to you, Lord, right now. Amen. Remember the Bible studies tonight, 6 o'clock, 6 o'clock. Be blessed, be blessed, be blessed. I pray you have a